You're listening to Huddle Up with Josh Kelsky. Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of Huddle Up. I'm Josh Kelsky, joined by Dylan Friedland today. Dylan, the Marlins have made some huge moves over the past day and over the past few weeks. What have we seen from this team? What statements are the Marlins trying to make? Well, I think if we really want to see the main thing that they're trying to do, we have to go back to a couple of weeks ago when Wei-Yin Chen was DFA'd. Now, this was on the day right before the deadline to protect players from the Rule 5 draft. And Wei-Yin Chen was owed $22 million in his final year of his contract. So what the Marlins did was they DFA'd him in order to make space for younger prospects in order to protect them from being drafted by a different team in the Rule 5 draft pick. So what this is saying is that the Marlins are more committed to their younger players than they are about wasting money. They're willing to pay Wei-Yin Chen $22 million to not play in order to protect these extra players. And what a statement that is. This player, Wei-Yin Chen, was not playing to nearly the level that he should have been, especially making $80 million in five years. He should be one of the best pitchers in the league. Now, we see those very high numbers because that contract was created from Jeffrey Loria, the Marlins' former owner. That was the last string of Jeffrey Loria that Derek Jeter just got rid of, Dylan. Yeah, Derek Jeter, he's coming, he started over, whether it's changing up his old ballpark, getting rid of some of his old players, they are starting brand new, Derek Jeter and this whole new ownership group, it is looking bright, and they are making tons of amazing moves. Let's talk about the two pickups that the Marlins got yesterday. One was traded for and one was signed. Yeah, uh, the first move they made was they made they claimed Jesus Aguilar off of waivers, and they also traded left-handed pitcher Easton Lucas to the Baltimore Orioles for Jonathan Villar. And e- Easton was from the minor league system. I don't think there was any talk about whether he was going to come up this year. He probably wasn't. Therefore, it's not a huge deal. To, it's practically signing a player for nothing. Yeah, you know, Easton Lucas, he's a guy that not a lot of people have heard of, and it's such an amazing deal because what I believe was trying to happen was the Marlins were trying to claim Jonathan Villar, but in order for that to happen, he would have passed, had to pass through the entire American League, and the Marlins just didn't want to take that chance, so they said, okay, let's part with one of our prospects. They did that. They have a great player in return. So we have a small issue. I don't want to say it's an issue. It's a positive issue, if that makes any sense. We have two first basements now. Yeah, the Marlins have-, have two. You have Garrett Cooper, who can also play in the outfield, and Jesus Aguilar, who plays first base. So Garrett Cooper and Jesus Aguilar play first base. You also added, just yesterday, Jonathan Villar, who is another outfielder. You have too many outfielder now, outfielders now, and now you have too many first basemen. What in the world are the Marlins going to do? Who are they going to cut? It also begs the question, what's Luis D- Luis Diaz going to do next year? There are tons of options here. Let's go over and talk about Jonathan Villar for a second. He can play middle of the infield, he can play third base, and he can also play outfield. 
So, what I believe is going to try and happen is, I don't think they're going to play a middle of the infield. You've got uh, Isan Diaz, second base. They don't want to hinder his development. And you have Miguel Rojas playing short. You also have Jazz Chisholm that will come up soon. So, I believe that he'll be playing third base and outfield. If he plays third base, then you can move Brian Anderson into right field. We saw that a whole lot last year. He has an amazing arm out in right field. And then... Uh, if Jesus Aguilar plays first base, you put Garrett Cooper in the outfield. So then you have two outfielders there. You also have John Birdie, who played a whole lot last year. And we should expect him to be on the 40-man roster at the beginning of the year. Yeah, he sh- will probably also be on the 25-man roster. And then you have prospects that will be coming up, such as Monty Harrison, Jesus Sanchez, Luan Diaz at first base. There are so many prospects that it's almost a good issue to have to have too many players you see people coming up with these mock lineups and uh, they're they're insane yeah it's a good issue to be arguing about the best players that you have in your farm system you have jesus aguilar first base garrett cooper first base lewin diaz also at first base lewin diaz and i want your opinion on this dylan i don't think he's gonna come up this year, he may come up in the last couple months of the season, depending on where the Marlins are, if by any way in the world that the Marlins make the playoffs, which you mentioned this before we started recording. If they pick up one or two more very well-known players, very, very good players, especially veterans, we may see the Marlins potentially in a playoff race. Maybe not a playoff race, but they could be breaking 70 wins. They could maybe be coming close to a 500 team. And that is something that the old regime of Giancarlo Stanton, Marcelo Zuna, and Christian Yelich, they were never a 500 team. People were always like, why are we trading these players? Uh, And they never made the playoffs when all four of them were together. They were never very good. And now we see an opportunity here for a possible team to be better than what that old regime was. So for those people who are always saying bad things about the Marlins, I saw it on Twitter last night. Even though the Marlins made two great moves, people, oh, they they got rid of Yelich, they got rid of Stan. What's happening with Christian Yelich, Dylan? You know, Christian Yelich, he's on the Brewers. The Brewers, they've made the playoffs. But now... A lot of their team is falling apart. They're being traded. They're being let go of. Is Christian Yelich going to demand another trade like he did from the Marlins when they started getting bad? We'll see. I don't know how bad the Brewers will be this year. But one other move I want to talk about. The Marlins DFA JT Riddle and Teron Guerrero. And it's very sad to see JT Riddle go. But Teron Guerrero was DFA'd. And there was one other person they kept. They kept Adam Conley. Over Teron Guerrero. I want, no, I want to know your opinion on that. When Adam Conley is on fire. When he's in the mode. When he is at his best during the season. He is a very, very good pitcher. Especially since he's a left-hander. A curveball will swoop from, sorry, sweep from left to right. And his curveball is nasty when he hits that far bottom right-hand corner. Now, Teron Guerrero who throws, can can throw easily at 101 miles per hour, can be sloppy. And when he leaves the ball up in the zone, and you make any sort of contact, that ball could be hit um, out of the stadium. 
Because that power, think about the power turned around. Tehran was not hitting his spot too well, especially at the end of last year. That's why they DFA'd him. Maybe there is a possibility that the Marlins could still manage to keep him if they decide to sign him again. But he was very sloppy. He needs a change of scenery. And normally when players are stumbling where they're playing and they get moved to another team, they could wind up being the quality pitcher that they believe that uh, who they are, who they are, and what the t- what another team would need, especially a pitcher throwing that speed. And Dylan, you mentioned something a few minutes ago about John Stanton, Christian Yelich, Marcelo Zuna, J.T. Realmuto. John Stanton only had 59 at bats last year. Injury prone. He's barely played over the past two years. The Marlins traded him. What good would it have been for him to be injured and paying him a ridiculous sum of money? Yeah, people, they always say you got no returns on these players. But we did. One, we did get returns. And two, Giancarlo's not playing. So this new ownership would have been stuck paying Giancarlo Stanton $30 million a year to have 59 at-bats. I think it was a good trade so far. And they have and he the hasn't prospects. been too successful. Yeah, and the Marlins prospects that they got from that trade haven't been called up yet. Now let's talk about the Marlins outfield and outfielders. You touched on it earlier. You have John Birdie, who I expect will be on the starting roster. Maybe not starting. He may be on the bench, but he will be on the Marlins. He won't be in the minor leagues, for my opinion. You also have three other, not well now four other quality outfielders. The Marlins have Monty Harrison, who looks to be ready and done with the minor leagues. He is a power hitter. He's an amazing fielder. But now you have an extra outfielder with the the move made yesterday. Again, another great issue to have. An overload amount of players. Now you have two players which should start every day. They're starting caliber players. So what does that do for the rest of the team when you have Jonathan Villar and Jesus Aguilar potentially both starting? You know what this brings to the team? It brings competition for starting spots. And you know what competition does? It makes players play better because they know if they play bad, they're going to lose their starting spot. So having all these players is such a good thing because it's forcing these players to play to the highest that they're capable of. And you've said you've got three guys. You have Monty Harrison ready to called up soon. Jesus Sanchez will be called up soon. 2021? Even more players will be ready. J.J. Blade maybe at the end of 2021. It is going to be fun to see what Don Mattingly decides to do, how good these players come out to be. It's going to be a fun spring. It's going to be a fun season coming up. How many wins do you think the Marlins will have next year? Remember, MLB plays 162 games. The Marlins haven't been over 500 in a few years. When you're over 500... You're getting, making your way to the playoffs. I believe that the Marlins will probably go around 500 next year. Hopefully a little over. And just 
I, th- I think we'll see what team this is on opening day because I can't remember the last time that the Marlins won on opening day. Maybe that could be a, a playoff call from the baseball gods. I, I'm going to try not to be such a homer, so I'm going to be... I'm going to try to stay reasonable with my prediction here. I'm predicting 74 wins. That's so what you, I would so predict. So you think uh, I, a little under 500? Yeah, a little under 500. I think that's reasonable for them. I think if they could pull off 74 wins, that they would be happy with where they are in this rebuild. They can see uh, how some of these new players are performing. I think... They'll be good. And it's your opening day thing, it has been a long time since they have won on opening day. And when I interviewed Craig Mish uh, at the end, towards the end of last year, he predicted before the Marlins made these, any of these moves that 2021 could be a playoff year. That's Craig Mish saying that. Dylan, that's, that is quite a compliment to the Marlins organization. If they can pull that off. This was without any of these guys. I want to emphasize that. Could we see a another pickup or two? The Marlins have to go after relief pitching. That looks to be one of the main issues that they have. That was the main issue last year. How many one-run games they have and blown by relief pitching. They need relief pitchers. I do expect them to pick up some over the next few days and when free agency really kicks in. Dylan. One last thing. The Marlins have struggled my entire life. Ever since 2004, this team hasn't gone to the playoffs. I haven't seen a playoff game, Dylan. I I want a playoff game. I want that pressure. I know what hockey playoffs feel like. It's There's so much pressure on you. I want to feel that pressure. This team is so close from being the team that we've longed for since two, the end of 2003. And yes, I missed the World Series by a year and a half. Well, Dylan, this team, it's getting there. Patience pays. Start becoming a fan of this team. They deserve it. Derek Jeter deserves it. Go to the ballpark. If you don't like baseball, go to the ballpark. Talk about food for a second because I'm kind of hungry. Derek Jeter got rid of all the stadium food. It's not no more hot dogs. You can get a hot dog. Don't get one. It's lame. <laughs> if you also you can also get a burger, whatever. But there are so many restaurants that he opened. Real restaurants, not fast food chains. Like Suviche, where I get sushi at a ballpark. I know that sounds crazy. Man, I'm hungry. <laughs> Go to the ballpark. This team deserves it. They're almost there. They're so close, Dylan. Give them another year or two. I know we've been saying that since 2004, but the time is now. This team is young. This team will be so good once all of their players are at the veteran stage. Dylan, thank you so much for being on the show today. You're welcome, and there are 81 days until spring training begins. 81 days. 81 long days. Hopefully those days are made shorter by the Marlins signing some relief pitchers. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back next week with this week in Florida sports. We'll see you next time on Huddle Rose.